Are you tired of the endless stream of fantasy marketing and vanity metrics? Yeah, so am I. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, media specialist, and marketing strategist. I'm also a student of professional development, and like you, I've been left frustrated by all of this influencer-driven generic advice making us think that we are just one course, conference, or manifestation away from the life of our dreams. We need to cut through this crap and move beyond the posturing, beyond the facade, beyond the image to take real action on the real work that will create the real results. This is the Beyond the Image Podcast. Good morning. Hope everyone is having an awesome start to the day. Welcome to our third live coaching event um, or podcast or stream or show or however we are are dubbing this. I appreciate um, uh, all of you for tuning in as well as those who uh, are able to catch the replay. Um, for those that are new to the show, uh, this is something that we decided to kick off at the start of 2023. And the commitment was, was that I was going to jump on live every week to be able to answer questions from audience members on their brand, on their on their business, on launching strategies, on uh, developing uh, their, their products or their services uh, to help give viewers some clarity where there might have once been confusion. And in the spirit of this, I was I was having a conversation uh, yesterday. I was on my friend Shelly Bryan's podcast, uh, "The Business of Being Healthy," and we were talking about this idea of how much information there is available to everyone uh whether you want to be you know most of my audiences in the health health and wellness space or they're a uh, creative professional photographer graphic designer etc there is so much information like an abundant amount of information about how to do whatever it is we are curious to do whether it's you know i want to launch my own podcast there's infinite amounts of data out there on how to launch a podcast and how to launch a podcast more than just launch it, but launch it fairly successfully. I want to release a book. There's lots of, I mean, there are whole books on how to release books. Um, I want to create a, um, I want to create my own YouTube show. There's, there's so much information on how to do any and all of these things. So much so that, you know, and I don't like soapbox statements and I don't like platitudes, but there is so much information out there that it is almost inexcusable to use the defense of, I don't know how to do this thing. I don't know how to launch my own show. I don't know how to write a book. I don't know how to uh, create an online course. I don't know how to uh, launch a, um, a, a, a new service platform. Whatever it is, there's so many resources that are out and available for all of us to create this content, to be able to put something out into the marketplace. Um, more than ever before. I mean, when I started my work as a photographer, 
I had to seek out whether it was going to a bookstore or um, I mean, Amazon was just getting up and running. So really it was just a traditional bookstore uh, as well as taking classes at a community college to figure out how to uh, create and to construct images that people would want to see. Okay. Images that were commercially viable. And I had to figure that out. But even if that weren't the case, I then started to intern for other photographers. I started to ask for help. Can you assist me with this thing? I would like to be your assistant. I would like to learn from you. I will help you out on set. And in exchange, I'm going to learn this trade or this craft. Um, I've hired business coaches. I've joined masterminds. I've, I've, uh, you know, uh, downloaded free guides and free resources. I've binged podcasts extensively to be able to learn whatever it is. I mean, this show is, is an example of this. I mean, we launched this show. I wanted to launch a live show for a couple years now. And it was easy to hold this posture of saying, well, I don't know how to do this thing. And because I don't know how to do this thing, I'm just going to put off doing this thing. Um, I want to write a book. I don't really know how to write a book or how to go about getting it published or how to find a agent or how to find a, um, a publisher. So I'm just going to hold back on this thing or this idea. And it stays an idea and it can stay an idea until we either do one of two things, until we move forward with the idea or until we let the idea die. And unfortunately for most of us, we do the latter. We hold on to an idea until we decide, mm, I don't really know how, or I'm not really sure, or, you know, I just don't have enough clarity. So I'm just going to let this idea lapse. And this was the case with um, the first book I tried to write. You know, I was working on this book. I, I was very confident in the idea behind the book, but I just kept putting it off. And as I was working on this book, I just kept putting the book up, you know, on a shelf. I mean, I keep saying on a shelf every time I tell the story, but really, you know, saving it on my hard drive. And a few months later, I would, you know, open up the, the Word doc and I'd, you know, tinker with it a little more. And then, uh, you know, not, not, not ready to, you know, move forward with this, save it again until at some point the book came out. And I got it, but it wasn't my name on the cover. And the reason it wasn't my name on the cover is because I never finished the damn book. My book was still saved on my hard drive in like version 2.0. Like I, I'd never even finished it. Um, and that's the price we could pay for sitting on an idea. So, you know, swinging back to the show, I had no idea how to launch a live show. So what did I do? I asked someone who had a live show, how do you do this thing? And they told me, okay. And then I looked up some articles and some videos to further detail out how to enhance it. Okay. Um, when I started podcasting 10 years ago, um, we were having all these audio issues because we did not know what we were doing with our microphones or how to get the best audio from our microphones. And we went through like 30 or 40, maybe even 50 episodes of having not great audio. We were still publishing. And that's the thing. We're still putting out content. And 
I guess for the most part, listeners forgave us because they kept listening to the show, but we did not prevent or we did not use this reason of, well, we don't know how to create the best audio and we keep having these audio issues as a indicator that we should not be doing this or we need to stop doing this or we need to pause this until we figure this out. And, you know, podcasting when I started wasn't as abundant as it is now and thus the resources and details on how to create a podcast were not as plentiful as they are now so i literally went into a garage band or a garage band is that what it's called no 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 garage or guitar center i went to a guitar center i said uh here's what i'm trying to do here's the issues i'm having with our audio how do i fix this thing and literally the the audio tech at guitar center walked me through why we were having the problem what i needed to buy to fix the problem and explained how to avoid this problem moving forward that was it the point is is i had to be resourceful enough to ask a question how do i do this thing and then seek out the answer we are not holding ourselves back because we lack information or the access to information it's out there so we only have really two options. Are we going to choose to take action on this information or are we going to choose to hold this, this posture that we don't have the resources, we don't have the access to the information, we don't know anyone who can answer these questions for us when really we're just not willing to ask the questions. Now, to be clear, you're not required to do something. You're not required to ask these questions but don't say you want to do something. Don't say this is a goal of yours. Don't say this is an idea you want to move forward with if you are not willing to ask the questions on how to move that goal forward. So with this show, yeah, I did not know how to launch this show. I had to ask someone, how do you launch this show? And he says, well, use this service. Okay. Well, how do I use this service? Well, let me look up some articles or some videos on how to use this service. Okay. Well, I've, I've made it that far. And then we just launch it. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people will sit and hold on to an idea waiting to perfect it. You know, I need to have this thing perfected before I put it out into the marketplace. I was talking to one of my clients the other day, and she she recently launched a podcast, and she was saying that, you know, her first episode, she wasn't satisfied with how the audio was sounding. She had to fix her audio. But by the second episode, she had had it figured out. I'm like, Wow, you figured this out a lot faster than I did. I mean, when I did this 10 years ago, like I said, it took me like between 30 and 50 episodes to get to, to where it is now. Okay. We have uh, someone watching on Facebook and they said, that was me. I had to be a perfectionist. Yeah. I've had that too. And it's here's the reality is that an imperfect idea, an idea that is not perfect that you release to market, that you put out there, will be infinitely more successful than the perfect idea that never sees the light of day. And I say that with, with, a, with a couple asterisks. One, there are no perfect ideas. You will never perfect something. Okay, So the longer you hold back something, trying to perfect it, you're never going to perfect it. All you're going to do is delay putting it out into the market, delay getting feedback, delay improving it. And that's the thing. Putting something out into the marketplace is not a final release 
of a product or service. It's when you get feedback. And from that feedback, we then refine it and we improve upon it. You know, I dropped out um, or I dropped the legacy planner earlier this year. But before I dropped this publicly on Amazon, I sent out a beta version to 50 of my clients and they got to test it and give me feedback on it before I release it to the next thing. And you know what? It's published on Amazon. It's out there. It's selling. But here's the thing. After this is out in the marketplace publicly for a year now, you know, flash forward, you know, 11 months, I can just release a new version if I get feedback and to make this one even better. There's no reason I can't release another version of it. That is absolutely within my control to do that. Stop looking at the things we create as being static. They are dynamic. They can evolve with you. Your sales pages can be dynamic. They can evolve with you. Your services, your products, they do not have to be static. They can be dynamic. They can evolve with you as you release it, as you get it out to market. I mean, that really is the only way that you're going to be able to get this feedback. Something else that came up, and by the way, for, for those that are tuning in, um, wherever you're tuning in from, whether it's our Facebook group or um, whether it's our YouTube channel, you're able to ask questions um, related to what you're working on, what you need some help with, what you could use some support with, um, what you could use some clarity on, literally wherever you're watching this, whether it's YouTube or Facebook, uh, just type your questions into the comment box or into the chat box and they'll pop up on my uh, on my stream and that way I'll be able to um, uh, add add some clarity uh, to, to whatever it is uh, that you're working on. Someone on Facebook says they love the legacy planner. It was life-changing. Thank you so much for that comment. I sincerely appreciate it. And for those that are tuning in, um, the Legacy Planner, it is available on Amazon, both in a hardcover as well as in a paperback. But if you want to just give it a try, uh, I uploaded a PDF for free. You can just download the PDF and print out the pages that are, are relevant to you so you can test this out for yourself and, and incorporate it into what you're doing. If you go to jamespatrick.com forward slash legacy, you can download a free uh, copy of that. Um, all right. So we have a question in from on someone on Facebook. Uh, can I still text people to promote my book? If so, should I change my approach? Um, so point of clarification, if you're tuning in from Facebook, I can't see your name. Um, so can you give me an indication of who you are, what book are you promoting? Uh, what have you done thus far in the promotion of your book? And what are you trying to um, adjust in the promotion of your book? Mm, okay, Avina. So Avina, one of my one of my coaching clients, uh, dropped her book Stretch for Success. Uh, dropped on Amazon uh, at the start of the year. And right away, I think within within the first few days, um, 
she was able to get it to what what did you get it to number three on the new release list which is really awesome so she was able to get her first book to be an amazon bestseller okay so one what i had avina do to promote this book was basically a an all-out assault of of promotion um you know what it was it was emails it was text messaging um it was constant social collateral uh about the book um encouraging people to to opt in to buy the book because um few things number one the way bestseller rankings are calculated is they update it every uh, hour or so so getting people to purchase in a finite amount of time will increase your ranking in a bestseller list uh, versus having people purchase over over the span of let's say you know three or four months um, so getting a spike in sales early on was important to help her land that bestseller list now that she's um, you know, move past the bestseller list and she still wants to promote the book and get sales of the book. Now there's a couple things that I would do to be promoting the book. And this is, you know, quite clearly what I am doing in the promotion of the legacy planner. So this is a little bit of pull back the curtain, not just do what I say, but do what I do. Couple different things. Uh number one, and this is a bit of a longer play, is go out on podcast tour. So stretch for success, a guide to help competitors feel their best and move great on stage. What I would do is I would come up with two to three topics that you can be interviewed on, or you can speak on and go out to a variety of podcasts that are relevant to the audience you're trying to reach with stretch for success and say, I can talk about the three mistakes to avoid on stage, or I can talk about the five things judges look for, but no one says out loud, or I can talk about, um, the secret to unlocking a level of confidence on stage that no one else will have access to. I mean, whatever the topics you want to come up with, you come up with, let's just say three, uh, topics that have a nice hook to it, as I was indicating, and you go to a variety of podcasts that your target audience are listening to. And you can even go to a variety of YouTube shows. Um, and you say, I'd like to be a guest on your show to speak on this topic. And I can teach your audience about this topic. So I just pitched a podcast this morning and I just said for your audience, I know your audience is really trying to, um, accomplish a lot more than they ever have before and prove to themselves that they can accomplish a lot more than they ever have ever had before. I have a system on how to break up goals to make it possible to achieve more in a year than anyone has ever has ever done before, right? Uh, and I'd like to be a guest on your show to talk about it, which would then plug the legacy planner. So podcast tours are a big thing. Um, and then, I mean, if you could push out, let's just say, a hundred pitches to different podcasts, you'll probably land 20 to 40. And that's 20 to 40 really strong, loyal audiences. So that right there would push out the book. But to just say, you know, hey, I have a book for sale. You can get the book. 
that's going to work for some, but it's not going to work for all. So what I'd recommend is you can plug the book, but have a free gift or a, a um, free opt-in. So for example, uh, you could take, let's just say the first chapter of the book or a special bonus that you can create that goes along with the book. Okay. By the way, for the listeners of your show, I actually have a video that walks through a lot of what's in the book that I'm going to give your listeners for free. If you just go to whatever it is.com, uh, they can download the video, but when they download the video, the emails that come out or the, the confirmations that come out are promoting the book. So for example, I say that I give away a free PDF on my book. So I just give away the whole book digitally for free. I'm not saying you have to do that, but I am giving something away for free to incentivize listeners to take that next step, which puts them into my ecosystem, which then can market the book, but then can market anything else that I'm talking about or promoting. So a media tour is something I would, I would highly, highly advocate. And the more niche the audience that you can target, the better. All right. Um, I did book two podcasts. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Uh, the other thing I would do is I would evangelize your audience to promote the book for you. So for example, this book right here is all about success on stage. I would be getting my clients, all the people who are in my ecosystem, people who I've helped achieve the success on stage to be posting about and talking about and promoting the book. Here's what this book did for me. Here's what Stretch for Success did for my career as a competitor. Here's what I was able to do on stage because of this book. And you equip, let's say 14 to 21 different individuals to each post about this book over the span of, let's say, two weeks. That is exponential word of mouth marketing of each of these individuals promoting the ideology and the methodology of your practice to their clients, to their audiences. And guess what? If you've helped people succeed, they're more than happy to do this for you. They're more than happy to share the reason behind their success. Okay. So those are the two big things that I would push right now is I'd go aggressive on media and media. It's, it's kind of like a long play. It's just something we just do. Like I'll be doing media on the legacy planner for the next several months to constantly get it out and drip it out to, to my audience or to, to other audiences that I'm inviting into my ecosystem. And then I would equip readers of, of the book to post about the book, to promote the book. Um, one of the things we did with my last book, uh, Fit Business Online, was we asked people to, every time they purchased it, to post their Amazon receipt on their stories. So every time someone bought a copy of Fit Business Online, we had, you know, a couple hundred people posting 
their receipts, which encouraged other people. Oh, what is this book? So it's it's encouraging conversations and it's social proof as well. It's showing people are willing to buy this thing. And if other people are willing to buy it, there must be some value behind it. There must be some credibility. Maybe I should look into this thing. Um, something else just popped in. Oh, there it is. Uh, one thing you can do to, to add a little more gasoline to this fire is further incentivize not just the purchase, but the, the reward for the promotion of the purchase. So I think we were giving away a free photo shoot, I think is what we ended up doing. I think that's what it was. And the promotion was you can win a free photo shoot, you have to buy this book, and you have to post about the purchase of this book on your stories, and then you'll automatically be entered to win a free photo shoot. And we took, you know, all those people and we entered them into this, like we found this, literally this like wheel of fortune spin wheel online and put everyone's name in there and just spun the wheel. And we, we ended up awarding, like, I think we ended up doing a bonus. We awarded three people a, a photo shoot, but now there is a reason. It's like, oh, I was thinking about getting this thing anyway, or this thing might be beneficial. Anyway, but if I can win something on top of that, I, I might, I might be more apt to, to um, take action on that. So that's, a few recommendations I would have to to start pouring some some fuel into this into this um, fire. Also, also um, after people get it, sorry, these ideas are just kind of coming to me as as I'm thinking this through. Your Amazon reviews are important, um, so encouraging people who did buy it, who you know bought it, to leave that five star review. That's going to help build confidence in the book when other people are looking at the book. Um, you can copy and paste the five-star reviews into your stories. That is a little more social proof. So it's you're noticing you're creating this ongoing narrative about the book, the value of the book, what the book provides, the solution the book uh, presents, the, the obstacles the book helps people overcome. And you just get very myopically focused um, on that. I would also not bat an eye at Amazon advertising. Now, advertising isn't in everyone's budget, but I've run Amazon ads on all three of my books that I've that I've released. You set your budget, Amazon, compared to, let's say, like Facebook, I've noticed Amazon being extraordinarily conservative with budget spend. So I don't know if we've ever, maybe on the first book, but it's the last two, I know for a fact, we never hit our budget that, that we set for it. And we set pretty moderate budgets. I think one book we set like a $500 budget. The other was like maybe a $250 budget. Like these were not, you know, we're not spending thousands of dollars and I, and I don't think we even came close to hitting either. Um, so the, the budget spend was pretty minimal, uh, which was nice. It was able to create some sales. Um, and the sales, we made more in sales than we, than we spent on advertising, which is the goal, uh, which is super nice. Um, so those are some, some ideas and hopefully, hopefully that added some, some insights and, and just, you know, start those creative juices, um, in, in regards to, uh, how you can promote this thing. As I was talking, I used the word value. And 
here's my thought. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. I'm, I almost want to make a list of dirty words in the coaching industry that we need to stop saying. And I'm curious if any of you have any of these words that maybe you yourself have been guilty of saying, like, I know I'm guilty of saying value a lot, give value, offer value, promote value, uh, provide value. I say it all the time, but I think it's the word value has been used so much that I think it's kind of lost a little bit of its luster, a little bit of its meaning. So I've been wanting to make this list of words that we need to stop saying as, as coaches, as guides, as gurus, as writers, as, as podcasters, um, because they've almost been beaten to death. And I think now the word not only has it lost meaning, I think it actually can create, um, the opposite effect. Uh, so <laughs> someone says, stop using the word guru. Yeah. Let's not call ourselves guru. That's a good one. I'm going to write that one down. Guru. I am a guru. What about Sherpa? I really like Sherpa. Um, okay. So here are the words. All right. So we added guru to the list. Here are the words I thought of that I think we need to stop using. The first one got really big circa 2018, 2019. And then like, it, it, I was seeing it so much in 2020. It was like bile inducing. Um, Facebook user says no Sherpa. <laughs> um, the word is empower. We need to stop using the word empower. It, it, it got used so much. I want to empower others. I'm trying to empower my audience. The number of pitches that I get for my show of people who want to empower others. I want to empower people, but they never say what they want to empower them to do. Like, yes, empower is in the, uh, it is a verb, but what are you empowering them to do? Empower them to what? I want to empower women. What do you want them to do? I want to empower uh, men over 40 to achieve what or to do what. Um, so I think the word empower, like we just started using it as this universal expression of, I just want to help others, but I don't really know how to articulate or define how I want to help others. So I'm just going to sum it up with the word empower. And I think because of that, not only did it lose its meaning, I think it has a lot of the, the, the opposite effect as well, which is that when I hear the word empower, I just think that they don't know how they're willing to assist people or how they're willing to help people. And they're trying to cover it up with the word empower. Okay, here's another word. Uh, authentic. I think we need to stop using the word authentic. Um, I think there was so much discussion, uh, you know, particularly in 2020 about how we show up online. And it was this, this constant kind of push that you have to be authentic. Are you authentic? Are you authentically promoting yourself? Are you showing up as your authentic self? How do you show up? Is it authentically? And I feel like we became inauthentically authentic, if that makes any sense at all. That being authentic became a calculated decision. I need to calculate my authenticity. My authenticity exists on a spectrum and I'm going to choose where on the spectrum I am shining 
this light. That is, that's my calculated approach to authenticity. So I feel like authentic authenticity, that's now a dirty word within, within our industry. Uh, I mentioned the word value. Like I think value is one that I should not be using anymore. We should not be using more about providing value. I think in exchange for value, let's say we're solving problems and then say the problems we're solving. That's more specific. Um, as I was uh, thinking, I came up with two more words that I think need to be added to the list of words that we should never say anymore. Um, this next one comes with a massive asterisk um, because of the connotation of it, but the word is vulnerable. And I feel like vulnerable is a sidecar to authentic or authenticity. And oftentimes they're used interchangeably or they're used as synonyms of one another. You have to be authentic and being authentic means you have to be vulnerable. Um, you have to present yourself as being vulnerable. And by doing that, you, you showcase your authenticity. Um, and once again, with authenticity, I feel like vulnerability and this, this, this idea of being vulnerable started being used as a marketing tactic. And any time that something is used as a tactic or as a strategy, I feel it loses the exact definition of what it is. To calculate your vulnerability means you're not being vulnerable. To script out your authenticity means you are being inauthentic. Um, so another word that I feel like we just need to erase from, from the lexicon um, here's, here's another one. It's, it's, it's more of a phrase, uh, but how about level up? That's one that I, I've kind of seen a little too much. It's kind of annoying. I help people level up. Well, level up to what? Once again, like, what are we leveling up to? And what does level up mean? Does it mean overcoming obstacles? If so, what obstacles does it mean? Um, Working more efficiently? If so, say working more efficiently. Does it mean uh, making more money? Well, then say making more money. Like uh, this this whole idea of leveling up. The last time I liked the word or the, the phrasing of level up was when my friend Steve Cam wrote a book about leveling up. And the reason it worked for Steve Cam is Steve Cam is the founder of a company called Nerd Fitness. And his book about leveling up use the phrase leveling up in connection to video games in which you're trying to level up your character. So it fit within the ecosystem and the ideology of being a nerd, wanting to be fit and wanting to level up your character. That was the last time it made sense. Outside of that, we need to stop saying level up it. I feel like all of these are almost like lazy shortcuts in copywriting and I, instead of using these buzzwords or these expressions or these phrases, if we just spoke in real English about how we are wanting to help people and what specifically we are willing to do in regards to what problems are we solving, specifically, what benefits are we providing specifically? When you work with me, this is the outcome you will receive. And the outcome is not a level up. No one gets on Google and says, how do I level up? That's not what they're searching for. How do I lose weight? How do I make money? How do I stop losing my hair? How do I, you know, uh, I don't know, gain more muscle? How do I write a best-selling book? 
How do I launch a successful YouTube channel? How do I make money on advertisements on my podcast? They're searching for specific answers. Provide them with specificity in what you're doing. This is what this program will do for you. This is the outcome you can expect from working with me. And I think the more we abandon this, this positioning of, I'm just going to use these feel good words in lieu of just being blunt and, and, and straightforward about here's what I'm willing to do for you. And here's what you can expect when you work with me. I think, especially moving forward, you know, consumers are more discernible than ever before. They're going to be more cautious on who they're investing in than ever before. Using language like value and empowerment and authenticity and, you know, fostering the ability to level up, the more it's going to push your target clients away from you. It's going to have the exact opposite effect. It's not going to build trust. It's not going to build rapport. It's not going to cut through the clutter of everyone else saying the exact same thing. So my coffee's now out. I want to thank you so much for, for tuning in to this live episode. Um, you can catch the replay on the Beyond the Image podcast. It'll be out uh, Friday, I think. Friday. We'll go with Friday. Um, as always, uh, the legacy planner, jamespatrick.com forward slash legacy. Quick note, we are doing our final call for entries for the next issue of Ricochet Magazine to get the link to submit your work. We're accepting uh, submissions from uh, models as well as photographers. Uh, just go to ricochet.magazine on Instagram and you can have all the details for that. If you have any questions that you want answered offline, you can text me 480605. 3254-40-605-3254. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. We'll be back next week. We might adjust the time next week. I have a, a, um, a shoot I'm doing in Los Angeles um, at the start of the week. So I might not get back till super late uh, the night before we go live. So I'll post an update on when uh, we're going to have our next live broadcast, but appreciate those of you who were able to tune in as well as those of you who were able to catch the replay and we will talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480-605-3254. Thanks again. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.